0: Welcome to the Homestead Life podcast. I'm your host, Joseph. Let's get growing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Homestead Life with your host, Joseph. And today I'm with my very good friend, Jacob, um, a man on a journey that I've enjoyed watching take his steps. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear a story. I think all of y'all will find it fascinating as well. Without further ado, Jacob, how are you? I'm good, brother. Thanks for having me on. So you are a man that decided that you were ready for the homestead life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something that I've kind of dreamed about for a long time. You know, I've had on my bookshelf for the longest time a homesteading book and a chicken for dum- Raising Chickens for Dummies book. But it was just kind of one of those things I'd read through but never really acted on. And then um, when, you know, things started getting crazy with the coronavirus and, you know, we saw just how fragile our uh, system is with food and everything else, I was thinking, man, I need to do something on my end because, you know, if, I lose my job or my wife loses, loses her job or we lose both of our jobs. You know, where are we going? to? So uh, that kind of got me thinking more and more about that. And, you know, one day you mentioned that you were doing consulting for gardening and I reached out and you helped me get this garden going. And I was thinking, you know, I got this little tiny quarter acre backyard and I wasn't expecting to be able to grow just a whole lot on it just because it's such a small area and you know I got three kids so they got their playground back here we got a swimming pool back here so I was like well you know even if we can just supplement our uh, grocery bill that'd be great and you sat down with me and we talked about it and came up with a plan to feed the family on the, the whole year without you know taking up the whole backyard doing it so when you showed me that plan I got really excited. and I was like, well, what more can I do? And I'd already had planted out in the front yard, some fig trees and blueberry bushes. And I was thinking, okay, well, if the garden can feed us, what's additional things I can add on, you know, not only to, um, not only as icing on the cake, so to speak, but to have re- levels of redundancy that if the garden doesn't perform well, one year I have other uh, sources of food to bring in and that just kind of led down the rabbit hole so to speak you know we got seven chickens now a big chicken run beside the garden and it's only growing from there it's like as soon as i finish one project i'm thinking well i can do that and i can add on here and i can do something over here so you know but it's a uh, it's one of those things where it's really a fulfilling uh, venture to go into because, you know, everything you're doing has a, a end goal or a cause and effect that benefits you and benefits your family. So it's just kind of a, I think of it as a freeform puzzle. You know, you kind of mix and match the pieces and put them together how you like. And it's, it's a really fulfilling thing for me to do.
0: I like that free freeform puzzle. Um so um crap you just made a point and i lost it i should have wrote it down so so back up to the uh oh here i remember now you said once you finish your project you're like what can i do next what can i do next and my first thought was yeah that's the curse and the joy of homesteading the curse is you're never done and the joy is you're never done there's always something you can add to it um so yeah what you just told me i've heard from a lot of people it was uh what's really got them interested is was the um, the food chain breakdown during the early early days, weeks of COVID. I'm sure you like everywhere else had empty grocery stores.
1: Um, we didn't really have too much of uh, empty grocery stores around my area. I don't know if we were just lucky or what, but it seemed like um, really the worst thing that was always out was the toilet paper during the whole toilet paper scare that seemed to go international and i still don't understand that it's a respiratory disease and yet everybody's buying toilet paper but um i don't remember a whole lot of foods being out i was surprised one time during the height of the coronavirus scare where i went to go buy some staples like uh, flour and they were out of flour and i was sitting there going are you kidding me how many people are using flour you know most people nowadays just buy bread off the shelf and I can't find a bag of flour now so that kind of got me a little concerned and kind of reinforced the notion that hey i need to get food in my own backyard but we've been fortunate enough to where there's not just massive shortages of all types of food there was a shortage of meat for a while but that seems to have uh, calmed down quite a bit
0: so we went through a period where it, it was empty empty i mean I, I think i posted pictures on twitter um just aisle after aisle row after row like if you found a can of beans you're doing good to find that can of beans on the store shelf like it was it was when you think of pictures from soviet russia or north korea you know supermarket shelves were just bare like it was bad down here on the coast and um it it's starting to happen again here um super walmart half the shelves are empty um you know that that's kind of surprised me because I I didn't know that we were in any type of uh, shortage right now, but apparently we are. You know whether it's Walmart or Winn-Dixie or Dollar General, like everybody seems to be out of something, and it's those so staple items you're just talking about. So like the flour, you know I'm a member of PFP. One of the products I flipped last year was flour, and that to me is an insanity that I could sell bags of flour on eBay.
1: That just blows my mind, you know, because when you think of cheap staple products, you think of like flour where it's, you know, big old bag for a few bucks. The thing that we're out of something like that is, is just crazy. So, and that's kind of where I'm wanting to get to where, you know, I'm growing everything in the backyard and, and my, wife, my wife were discussing it. and further down the road, we might get into hunting more so we can have our own meat. We're not buying meat from the supermarket. So only thing we're really buying from there is maybe stuff like flour and rice and some milk or something like that, a few staple items and everything else we're either growing or hunting for. And even if we don't or we can't get, you know, that milk or rice or flour, you know, it's not going to, uh, you know, devastate us because we have all these other food sources available to us
0: yeah and and you adding chickens to the homestead that's like the the staple staple first animal right there i mean you have you have eggs you have the chickens yourself you know both are a great protein source um a lot of people go into rabbits when they first start but, yeah um, i don't think we can
1: uh <laughs> a joke about this but i don't think we could uh ever use any of the animals as a meat source around here because we got three little girls and the thought of them eating one of their pet chickens or pet bunnies would they'd probably disown me at that point <laughs> so the eggs are going to be the main food source for from the chickens which is which is fine with me i don't think i could have any meat to kill the chickens anyways uh you know they're some i've seen a lot of people consider them uh the gateway drug or the gateway animal for uh, getting more. And I can believe it because, you know, I just absolutely love having them out here in the backyard. You know, they, uh, I come out here to sit there and watch them and they'll follow me up and down the run. And uh, they're kind of slowly warming up to me, letting me pet them and handle them more. I think it's because I started feeding them from hand every now and then. And that kind of did a lot for them getting more comfortable around me. But they're just they're just a blast to have back here. And,
0: oh, you hilarious. Know, me and my wife
1: are talking and we're like Oh, yeah, they're hilarious to watch. I'll tell you a story about uh, feeding some worms in a minute. But, you know, we got seven now, four outside now, uh, three are still a little bit too young to come out here, especially in the wintertime. But uh, we got this coop that is prefab coop. And my wife is already like, well, let's get another coop and maybe some more chickens. And so they're going to run out of space. And so we're trying to figure out where we could put it. And I'm also floating the idea of just making the existing coop a two-story coop because it has a space underneath that I could just fill in and, you know, put walls and a door on it. But it's just like, you know, we started off with five and then it bumped up to seven. And at the rate it's gone, we might have like a dozen to a 14 chickens out here in the middle of the suburbs. So it's just uh. You know, it's kind of like Doritos or Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop.
0: I talked to a um, I interviewed a lady from California um, earlier this week for the podcast. And we were talking about chicken mathematics. And and you're describing chicken mathematics because the next thing you know, you'll have 30 birds out there and you don't know how you got them. Like you start with a couple and then it just booms. I have... 27 i think 25 27 chickens out of my lot right now and um that was actually intentional we we like ordered that many but uh there was a machine running somewhere near my house i don't know if you can hear that or not but it's about to drive me crazy no i can't hear it on my end okay good so um we we ordered that many our last go around because we had a stray dog take out our, our our entire last flock of birds. But um yeah, so you, you start with chickens and then like I have turkeys. I have turkeys beside the chickens. And if you think chickens are fun to watch, the turkeys are just freaking hilarious. They are extremely curious about everything and they check it out by pecking it. And um they very to... similar to the chickens then. Yeah, but you have to watch them because they'll kill themselves. Like, I've seen, I've seen turkeys peck electrical outlets and electrocute themselves. I have heard of
1: that about turkeys. Uh, they're one of those high-maintenance birds in the sense that they'll get into anything and just, like, drown themselves or kill themselves in the weirdest ways. And so they're going, well, not only besides the fact that I'm on a very small suburban area with a bunch of neighbors around. So I can't have, you know, just too much livestock back here. But, you know, having the thought of having turkeys back here and having to try to manage them, it's like, that might be a little too much for me. Have, um, have you considered bees yet? I have, and it's really tempting. Um, I would have to, I have a spot that I would put them if I did get bees, but I'd have to put some kind of guard up against them. So my girls don't go back there and accidentally poke the beehive and set them all off they're a lot harder but that is something i have anything. been that is something i have been um really thinking about it it might be one of those things i do further down the line once i get everything else kind of set up and going There's, yeah my, my high hive... you know, my big projects right now is getting the garden
0: done. Go ahead. My hives, you mow around them, we need around them, the bees don't care. They, they don't they don't care until you open them up and stick your fingers inside their honeycomb. That's when they care.
1: Hmm. Well, I don't know. It might be something I have to uh, consider down the road, but right now it's all about the gardens. The uh, I got the foundation made for the greenhouse. Uh, that greenhouse was originally going to be half of a storage shed and half a chicken coop. And we decided uh, when we got the chickens, they were about six weeks older than what we had, uh, originally planned to get. So that kind of really bumped up my deadline for getting it all done. So we were just like, we'll get a prefab chicken coop and I'll make the uh, the shed slash coop into a greenhouse. And then I got, um this is what we were talking about earlier with just projects adding on and on. I'm gonna get the, worm bins going probably this spring once it starts warming up. So maybe when all that other stuff's taken care of, I'll look into getting a a beehive or something in the back.
0: You know it's great for worms? It's
1: rabbits. Yeah, I can believe
0: it with the rabbit poop. Yep. I know people, um, I'm going to get into vermiculture this year, I think, and I'm really eyeing it but I know people that create their worm bins up under the rabbit cages. So all the rabbit droppings fall all straight down into the vermiculture and the worms do their thing, which I mean, rabbit manure can go straight to the garden without composting, but.
1: Well, we do have one rabbit. Um, it's my oldest daughter's pet, but you know, she's an indoor bunny. She stays in her room in a little uh, rabbit kennel a house for, but uh, that's one of those things I need to start getting in there and grabbing all the rabbit poop and throwing it into the garden. I haven't been doing it lately. We just, whenever it's time to clean it, we just scoop everything out and throw it away, but it's one of those things like, hey, save, save the rabbit poop for me, because yeah, I you, can use that.
0: You, you were throwing away black gold. I
1: know. I've been told that by multiple people. It's just like, you got so much stuff going on. It's just like, yeah, throw it away. I don't care. I'm not going to deal with it right now.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as, as you get more into homesteading, that's something you'll figure out is um, you just start keeping and reusing and, and you, you find a purpose for everything, whether it's your kitchen scraps, you know. When when you peel some vegetables or or you carve out the middle of a pumpkin or something, you know, you throw that to the chickens. Uh, that becomes part of their feed mm-hmm. their their backyard trash disposals and it's good yep. for them so yeah and that's something i've noticed
1: that's something i've noticed i've been doing uh just with the projects around here you know we had a fence go down uh early spring last year and we you know i tore up all these uh planks from the fence and i put them on to the side you know we've had spare bits of uh you know pvc pipe laying around in the shed and some two by fours here and there and stuff. And it's like, whenever I'm doing all these projects, I'm finding uses for all this stuff. So I don't have to worry about trying to throw it out. You know, like I've used all those uh, fencing planks for putting lining the uh, side of the chicken run when I put in the wood chips to help keep them from spilling out into the yard. And um, if you saw my first video where I was doing the cleanup of the backyard, Mm -hmm. I was showing how I had all this broken brick along the side of my fence, you know, so I t- I was, I've been taking up all those pieces of brick and using it as a liner along part of my garden to to, to hold in the, the wood chips that I got from the chip drop thing. And, you know, it's just, I'm finding uses for all this stuff. I got the PVC pipe I used to make, help make the arches on my, um my chicken run. So I'm just, it's kind of a, it's helping me out because I don't have to worry about disposing of all this stuff. I'm just use, finding new uses for it.
0: Yeah, you almost become a... Uh, I, I've made this joke many times. Uh, a homesteader kind of becomes a practical hoarder. So it's like you... you okay, so example is uh, we tore down a dog lot. You know, we had the poles and the chain fence and, and we tore it all down. And we was going to throw it away. And I was like, you know what? No, let, let's keep those poles. I'm, I'm. They'll probably come in handy for something later. So, I have a pile of poles out there in my yard that drives people crazy when they come over. They're like, why don't you just throw it away? I'm like, I'm going to find a purpose for it. So, fast forward, we had to expand the goat lot. So, these poles ended up becoming fence poles that we attached uh, sheep netting to to uh, expand our goat lot out. So, yeah, you just you become a practical hoarder in, in the sense that you, you can envision something being used down the road. And uh, I use that term because hoarders just collect things. They collect things, they don't throw it in the way because they think they're going to use it, but they don't. A a practical hoarder, a homesteader, we actually do use it at some point down the road. So it, it comes in handy. Somebody commissioned me to uh, tear down a storage building in, in their backyard. Paid me like $400 to go in there and rip it apart and haul it out. And it was eat up with termites. I mean, the building was no good, but it had windows in it and it had a metal roof on top of it. Now, my chicken coop has a metal roof and it has a window in there that I can open up in the summertime to, to let a, a draft blow through the coop, you know, keep it cooler in there. So you definitely get craftier.
1: Yeah, that's something I was thinking about the other day um, and kind of one of my driving principles around the, uh, my backyard homestead is minimizing the amount of waste I'm producing, you know, whether that's from food or, you know, just raw building materials or anything like that. It's finding new uses to um, use it in the backyard. So like, like you were saying with the food scraps, you know, that, you know, instead of throwing them out, they can go to the chickens uh, this spring when I get it going. They can go into the worm bins. And if nowhere else, it can go in the compost pile. And, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's where I'm tired of throwing stuff away in the trash. I'm not a huge um, uh, climate change person, you know, and I don't believe all of that kind of stuff. But I do believe, you know, we got to be good stewards of our land. And it's hard to be a good steward when you're throwing away just bags upon bags of trash that you could actually use or better use around your house right so that's one of those things you know I'm really looking forward to once everything's going and the gardens are going I expect my trash um or you know my i trash consumption but my trash my outgoing trash to the dump is going to drastically drop because I'm not buying a bunch of you know canned beans or whatever where we oh you know throw the can away or whatever and um there was another point I was going to make to that but I forgot it apparently I need more caffeine but yeah it's just you know finding more stuff more uses for the stuff you have that you're going to throw away and um you know sending less of it to the dump and plus that saves you money in the end because you know if I was going to you know if I needed something to make my garden uh soil better I could go out and buy a bunch of bags of dirt sure or I can get the compost bin in the backyard going and throw out the coffee grounds and the, you know, the leftover, uh, vegetables that, that went uh, slightly bad in the fridge or whatever, the straw from the chickens, uh, coop. And over time, that's going to make good soil that I can add back into the garden. And that saves me money by not having to go buy, you know, potting mix or whatever from the, um, from the store. Hold on, my dog is barking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing we struggle with here is uh, keeping a compost pile. So I've had I had an open pit compost, but I also have a wild flock of chickens that I have cultivated that live in the woods. And they just come and demolish the, the compost pile. Anytime I throw something in there, they they go in there and, and eat it all. So I'm actually this year looking at turning a 55-gallon drum into a, a rotating composter just to get my compost game back up. Well, well, that's one thing that
1: I'm kind of creating a hybrid system here. And I wouldn't say I'm not the, you know, for this or anything, in a way. um, He has a big chicken run that he just put a thick layer of wood chips down in, and over time the bottom layers break down. They get mixed in with the chicken poop. The chickens go in there and they scratch everything up every day. And so when he needs compost, he just goes into the chicken run, rakes off the top layer, and gets you know fresh compost out of it. And he just keeps adding more uh, wood chips uh, to the to the pile as it goes. So that's something that I did when I got the chip drop, I just put a thick layer down um, on the chicken run and I'm, chickens love going around there pecking around. And one of the side benefits of all this is it creates a nice right side of my garden. It runs right up against the side of my garden. So I'm getting you know, free compost from that. I'm getting a, a, a weed barrier from that and the chickens are also gonna help keep the bugs out of the garden on that side. You uh, know, that's another thing I'm looking into. And, you know, you, if you look at a little area here, you can see how the chickens are benefiting the garden. The garden is gonna benefit the chickens down the road when they can get scraps from it and stuff. And...
0: And that's what you're doing. You're, you're creating your own ecosystem there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, see, one thing we do, which I have the room to do, I know you don't, is every so many years, we move the chicken run. So, the the spot it's in now, it's not where it will be two years from now. And um, you, you know what crop rotation is, correct? You know, it's a... Yes. I, yeah. I, I, do, I do a chicken run rotation. So, this year, next year, where my garden is, three years from now, my chicken run will be there. And this year, where my chicken run is, two years from now, I will have a garden planted there. And I use the chickens themselves to, to revitalize the soil that's under them. That They get the grass out, the roots out. I don't have to worry about weeds. And then they're, they're on poop compost into the soil over the years. And um, I've grown some of the best vegetables I have ever grown since I started doing that.
1: That was something I was really pondering about doing. Uh, when I first, when I first started thinking about getting chickens was just making a little chicken tractor and moving it around the yard. Uh, And then in the, especially in the fall and winter time when everything stopped growing, just primarily keeping it in the garden area. And I don't know, that might be something I do down the road. Uh, But for right now, I'm kind of content having them just in the run. But I can definitely see the benefits of having you know, them rotating around the yard and scratching up the ground and pooping and adding, you know, nutrients to it. And, but, you know, it's just, you got to do, you got to work with what you got. And unfortunately I don't have a whole lot of land. So the, uh, the stationary chicken coop and run just made the most sense from my uses. Right. And I've tried, I've tried chicken you know, tractors, I just make it work as much as I can.
0: We, tr- we tried chicken tractors one year and I hated them. Um, a friend of mine tried chicken tractor last year. He was out of it two months into it. He's like, I can't, I can't deal with this. So, they're not for everybody, but I know some people that are very successful with chicken tractors. So, I think it all depends on uh, how you design them and, and how they operate and, and how much room you have makes a big difference as well.
1: Yeah, I would think how many chickens you have too. Because, I mean, if you have 30 to 50 chickens, you either have to have a giant chicken tractor. Or multiple chicken tractors. Yeah,
0: we we had two going, and
1: that increases the amount of work you're having to do. But like for me, I'd have one tiny little chicken tractor because I only got seven chickens, and I can just go out there every couple of days and move it down. Six.
0: Still with us? There you are. Did you lose me for a second. Yeah, we lost you for a second.
1: where'd i cut out at
0: uh you have seven little chickens so you need a small chicken tractor
1: oh yeah so i mean for me it'd just be every couple of days moving out or going out there and moving the chicken tractor six feet down or something and i'd be done but you know if you got a larger operation yeah i could see where it'd be uh, a lot more of uh, a pain in the butt to uh, try to manage
0: yeah i read i watched a documentary on um young guy early 20s has created a very successful uh, meat chicken operation using chicken tractors but um he has a very large acreage of land he has his tractors set up to where he hooks his four-wheeler up to them and moves them around and but you know if, if you're growing enough birds to have a meat operation going you 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 gotta really be committed to it because he was talking about he spends sixteen hours a day every day moving chicken tractors around these fields.
1: I've seen similar operations. I, I get on YouTube a lot and just watch a bunch of different homesteading channels and permaculture channels, and I've seen similar operations. And yeah, I, there's that's not something that would be up my alley. You know, if I was gonna have a larger chicken operation. It would, uh, first off, I need more land, but it would definitely be something where I'm not out there 16 hours a day moving chickens, uh, runs around.
0: Yeah. It it was when we had, I think one time we had up to like 50 birds out here and, uh, we ended up free ranging them. It was like, you know what? Just turn them loose. And, uh, if you got the property to do that with, that's the easiest way to keep chickens. Yeah. It's actually, it's like I told you, I have, I, I have a wild flock. I cultivated a wild flock. They come out of that, uh, that free range flock that we had. Um, uh-huh. you know, if you go into woods at sunset beside my house, you're going to find the trees are full of chickens. And uh, you know it's, it's kind of, it's almost like Alfred Hitchcock going into the woods there. And uh, you know, come spring, I'll be walking across the yard one day and I'll see a random hen come out of the woods with, you know, 10, 12, 15 chicks behind her. Like I, I have my own wild population of, of chickens out here.
1: That's pretty cool though. So I imagine you use those for uh, meat instead of eggs. Yeah. those. those I can are... imagine you going around hunting eggs all no. over the, uh, the area.
0: No, no, I don't hunt their eggs. If I come across them, I leave them. I don't know how long that's been sitting there. You know, you're gonna crack that open and a baby chick will come out. But, uh, you know, uh, those are our meat birds, but we really don't mess with them at all. Because since I've had them running around, but we don't have a flea problem with our pets. We don't have a tick problem with our animals. Um, they have, they've kept the yard pretty clear and clean of, uh, of, of all those nasty pests. So it's, it's beneficial to both of us having them being there. And then they get our scraps when we throw them out. And...
1: You know, and that's, that's a big issue that I have in my backyard is the bugs and the pests and you know that's kind of making a case where maybe I do need to make a small chicken tractor and you know every day just stick a few of them in from the coop and let them forage around certain areas of the yard because you can't walk outside barefoot because you're going to step on a slug on the patio or wherever I mean they're just everywhere and you know we uh we don't really have any ticks around here. I don't remember the last time I've gotten a tick in my backyard. But we do have mosquitoes. Yeah. And you know I you know I know they're in bodies of water or the larvae come out of bodies of water. But you know I would imagine if I had the chickens moving around the backyard, they'd definitely take care of the slugs. But they'd probably also get some mosquitoes here and there and keep that down that as well. Yeah, down here in South Mississippi, you can't chicken tractor and just have maybe about three of them moving around the yard.
0: Yeah, in South Mississippi, you can't get a flock big enough to knock down the mosquito population. But uh... I can imagine. I think our biggest problem
1: is one of our neighbors has a derelict pool that just sits there uh, Mm. holding stagnant water all year round.
0: Yep. Well, that's a big, you know, what you need to do is, uh, if it's close enough to the fence, just just throw a couple of chlorine tablets over from time to time.
1: I've thought about that. Uh, yeah, they're right beside me. Uh, I thought about, you know, getting up on the roof and acting like I'm cleaning out the gutters and then just throw one of those mosquito dunks over into their, pu- their uh, pool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I got two ponds, so uh, yeah, my mosquito problem is not going anywhere anytime soon. Once one one pond is stagnant I mean I mean it's not stagnant it's spring fed they're both spring fed but the water doesn't move very much so they're, they're pretty much stagnant water
1: but that just reminded me of another project I might try down the road is um, creating just a very tiny pond in the backyard maybe get one of those prefabbed uh, pond, uh, You know pond liner things right and creating a a frog habitat to help with stuff like mosquitoes and flies and everything else you know i got a little area that i could stick it where it's out of the way but you know i can put in you know some i I think they have the little frog houses where you just put in a sideways you know terracotta pot for them to get under and hide and plus i can grow water hyacinths which apparently uh chickens love to eat so, you know, it's just another level of redundancy and something beneficial for the the garden and the family whenever we're out back.
0: See, this is how this works for everybody that's listening. To um, so have several people to listen that are interested in homesteading and never tried it, he's gonna he's gonna start with this pond, and it's gonna be a frog habitat, and then he's gonna add fish to it. And then there's going to be a pump that's added to it later on that's going to pump up into a a drain bed. And next thing you know, he's going to have a frog habitat slash aquaponic system that he's growing all of his leafy greens out of. It just it just, it just mutates. It, it builds. And then the
1: pond will also act as a and the pond will also act as a rain catch. That uh, I have a pump set up to where it irrigates the the garden and waters the chickens automatically, and you know it'll eventually it'll be a full setup back here
0: yep and it's going to take three years to accomplish all that it'll just grow he's going to look at that pond he's going to go. that looks nice and he's going to enjoy it for about three days and he's going to be like you know what it's going good right there
1: it's true that's the way it goes
0: i mean i i, I bought ibc totes for uh Hydroponic or aquaponic systems. And uh I'm sitting here looking at these. How many do I have? Five, four, five, and five. Um, I'm like, you know what I can use this for? This can be a water system. Then I put the water system out there, and I'm like, you know what? I can divert this and and, and water my turkeys and my chickens in one go. And then I put that out there, and I'm like, you know what? I can catch rain. I can fill this with rain. And so, you know, it's just something I bought something for one purpose and ended up doing something completely different with it.
1: Yeah, what I'm trying to figure out right now, and I'm not, I can get some projects done, but I'm not what you would call one of those expert handymen that can just, you know, do anything around the house without a uh, a formal plan. With what the next I'm really trying years, to figure out. You will be. Yeah, at the rate it's going, yeah. But, uh, what I'm trying to figure out is how to
0: oh, we lost you again. Free
1: water, waters chickens oh let me get closer to the house can you hear me now yeah hello okay
0: so what you're trying so to what do i'm now trying to is... figure out right now
1: is a system that yeah is uh, create a watering system that um, free flow waters the chicken so it's just like a think of a cutout PVC pipe where the water just runs through and they can reach in and get it. And then the water keeps going through that and waters the garden as well through a drip system. And I'm not sure if I can make that work simply because of the water pressure. You know, you need to actually use a drip system and everything. But if I could have that and then hook it up to, say, a rain catch that I put on the greenhouse, and then also, uh, have that set up to where it can go into the garden hose whenever, uh, you know, I'm running low on rainwater, you know, it's just those kind of things you're thinking about. It's like, well, where can I, you know, make things easier for myself and then also accomplish multiple things. So I'm not having to water the chickens and then water the garden and then, you know, and handle all these different things. I can just turn on the water spigot or open the valve to the rain catch and
0: take care of everything. Yeah. Yep, I have uh, I, I have worked endlessly over the last six months to make sure I'm not dragging water hose around the yard because I'm sick of dragging water hose around the yard. And and there's a there's a way. So why why you're um designing this system? Do you know what a bell siphon is?
1: I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head.
0: Research it, because if you need to move water from one place to another without mechanical means, that is. How you, that is how you do it. That, that is pure gravity and water pressure.
1: All right. I'll have to write down bell siphon in my notes.
0: So they, uh, for every, I mean, I'll, I'll give everybody a, a, a brief description of what it is. So what you do is you have a pipe and you have a larger pipe around it. And that larger pipe has a bell cap on it, which is where you get the bell and bell siphon at. So once water rises in a tank to a certain level it starts pouring over the smaller pipe inside the larger pipe Well, that bell siphon on top creates then creates a vacuum a suction and it will completely drain whatever tank it's in moving all water from one area to another and it almost feels like it shouldn't work like when you build one you're going to look at it and go there's no way this works and then it's going to blow your mind when it works It's just one of those things.
1: Well, I think for the first year, I'm resigned to uh, just lugging around the garden hose, but I'm going to take steps to mitigate the amount of water that I have to use, like um, the uh, wood chips I still got left over from the chip drop. I'm going to mulch the crap out of uh, my garden as much as I can to help with uh, water retention in the soil. And uh, fortunately, I guess... The, whichever way you look at it, fortunately or unfortunately. I got this big water maple in the backyard, so it gets a partial shade um, during the morning, early morning. So that'll help keep uh, the, the water from evaporating too much. But again, on the other side, I don't get full sun on half of my yard most of the day, which really limits the amount of area I can uh, grow food in. So that thing might be coming down in the next few years, plus it's getting old and limbs are falling off whenever it storms, so that can uh, create a hazard and take some stuff out along the way if we we don't get it taken care of, but yeah, I've been taking a lot of permaculture principles and trying to apply them to my garden and stuff back here, you know, the mulching is kind of the biggest thing that I took away is because, you know, mulching kind of helps with everything it helps with water retention it helps with weeds it helps with uh improving your soil as the the mulch breaks down so me finding chip drop was like a a godsend because it's i got i got a six cubic foot wheelbarrow and i stopped counting loads after the 13th wheelbarrow and i still got more out front and it was all free all i had to do was sign up online and in three days, they had, they dumped off a huge thing of wood chips for me to use. Because that was one of the big hangups I was having with all these permaculture sites are all like, you got to mulch everything. you got to do, you know, a thick layer of mulch everywhere you're doing this. And I said, they're going, well, how much do you freaking spend on mulch? Right. I can't spend, you know, 500 bucks on mulch. You know, where are you getting all this stuff from? And when I found Chip and Drop, it was just like, all right, now we're in business.
0: Yeah, I, I'm fortunate in that every May they start getting ready for hurricane season. So they come around, they trim all the branches off the power lines and everything. So there is no end to uh, tree trucks with mulching in the back looking for somewhere to dump their, their mulch. I mean, all you got to do is drive up the one and we go, hey, when y'all get done, I'm I'm a mile down there right here. And they will drop it there. So uh, it, it, it's a yearly I'm go-around. A-
1: I'm fortunate that I live in kind of a more uh, I guess you'd call it a yuppie area, you know, everybody wants to just have the nice little gardens in the front and, and all that kind of stuff. So nobody's using chip drop, you know, they're like, oh, I'll go get the bags of mulch from Lowe's or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, no, shoot, send me the free stuff that's, you know, doesn't look as nice, but it does the same job. Right. Take all that, send it to me and you can keep your nice expensive bags of black mulch you get from Lowe's and Home Depot and whatever. So, yeah, like I, when I first signed up for Chip Drop, some of the reviews are saying, I've been waiting months to get a delivery and I can't get anything. And and it, I signed up on a, I think a Sunday and, or no, it was a Saturday and it was a Tuesday morning. They came by and dropped it off that next week. So I waited like two or three days and got just a huge load of mulch.
0: Yeah. I've never heard so, of chip, chip drop. let chip drop. Just chip drop.com. Yeah. Just chip
1: All one word. C-H-I-P-D-R-O-P.com. So anybody and, looking for uh
0: wood chips, there's, there's yeah. an idea.
1: And I left a review on my uh, YouTube channel about that, but you know, it's, it's kind of, you're going to get what you, uh, you get, um, I got fortunate. I got some really nice wood chips, but other people said you know, I got a lot of leaves and twigs in mine, and some people said I've got trash in mine. Not a whole lot of trash, but you know the occasional wrapper or whatever in there. So you know you're going to get kind of just whatever they drop off.
0: Um, leaves leaves are a fantastic garden cover as well.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And I would have minded if they if they dropped off weeds, but you know what I got. If you look at the video. I mean, it looks like mulch you'd get out of Lowe's almost, or yeah. a mulch bag. I mean, it's just really nice wood chips, uh, very few twigs. I didn't find any leaves in mine. Uh, the only thing, the only problem I had, and it's my own fault, was when you're signing up for chip drop and a delivery, you can say, "Will you accept logs, or some logs with your shipments?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, whatever." You know, I was trying to be as unpicky as possible because I, you know, I figured. The less picky i was the sooner i get a delivery right and so i was like yeah i'll take some logs it's no big deal thinking you know it'd just be a little small log you know a few inches in diameter Some, something no when they dropped it off they dropped off these huge freaking logs like six or seven feet long and 15 inches in diameter I could barely move these things by myself <laughs> they were heavy so i was oh. like okay next time i'm gonna be a little more picky because i can't use these logs for anything this are just too big so I rolled them up to the front. Uh, it's one of the good things about living out in the suburbs is I rolled them up to the front by the road and we have a, a tree service that comes around like once a month and they'll pick up brush or logs or anything you have right up by the road and take it away. So I just rolled them up and then that Monday was their scheduled delivery. So they came by, picked them up and got them out of my yard. <laughs> and they are probably ordered where the heck. Yeah. <laughs> like, they chopped down a tree back there. Either that or is the same guys they're like, hey, we just dropped these off a few days ago.
0: Yeah. But so no, um, so what's your um, what's your immediate game plan with uh spring coming in?
1: Uh the big things is getting the seeds started for the garden. I still am slowly digging up the garden here. I don't have a that works for beans right now. I got this little Two-tine tiller that I can't even seem to get started. So I'm going to have to probably rent a tiller to break it all up. But in the meantime, I just, I'm out there with a shovel, digging it up and breaking up the dirt. I'm you know, going
0: to. Uh, one of one of the best investments I've made. I'm probably going to go back and get it. You there? There you are. Nope. Okay. One of the best investments I've made recently is I bought a small two-tine electric tiller uh, from uh, Home Depot, I had them on clearance. I think I paid like 50 bucks for it. And uh, that thing's been perfect. Man, that thing's been perfect. Well, that's what I got right now,
1: but I, it's just a piece of trash. I don't know. I mean, this is the first year I've, I've even used it. I've had it in a box in my shed, uh, totally unopened. And, you know, I finally got out and got it and put it together and put gas and everything and it just doesn't work. You know, it worked the first time I used it, it ran, but it wouldn't tear anything up. You know, I was trying to tear up the garden and get it going and nothing. So I put it back in the shed and then I got it out last week and I couldn't even get the thing started. So I was like, okay. Either wow. I'm doing something wrong or this is just a, a junky tiller here.
0: My my big tiller is a Husqvarna brand. I bought it from Home Depot, and, and I paid a pretty penny for it three fifty four hundred dollars seven years ago, and it still starts on the first pull. It's a Husqvarna Briggs and Stratton engine on it. I mean, it, it's a beast. Four time tiller. I'm
1: thinking of getting. I'm thinking of getting a drag behind tiller for my ride along mower. So I can just hook up the back there and mm-hmm. pull it along and. uh break up the ground but i'm hoping really it might not even be necessary after this first year i'm hoping to break up the ground real good this first year and then before uh winter hits put down a big thick layer of mulch and kind of start employing some of those uh no dig gardening principles yeah where uh, you get the soil in good enough condition that you don't have to till it up every year
0: yeah and disrupt
1: on. the uh, whole uh the whole ecosystem down in the dirt. So kind of
0: like the uh, the back to Eden gardening type thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's
1: the goal. So I'm probably just going to wind up renting one uh, this spring for a few hours and after I've get, gotten everything kind of dug up by shovel, just going through, taking a pass through with the tiller and just really getting it all broken up as good as it's going to be and then just uh, slowly adding, you know, the rabbit poop with compost and mm. At the end of the year, really mulching it deep, so the soil stays nice and soft and and loose for next year, and I don't have to go back and repeat the process.
0: And and that might but, be why that might be why my small electric tiller works so well, is because that's a well worked area of ground out there. You know, it's not hard packed yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, this is this area is almost completely untouched. You know, I had a small garden there last year, but nothing really to speak of. Um, so, I mean, I dig down, and fortunately, as long as there's no tree roots, I can dig down easy with a shovel, but when I pull it up and flip it to break all the, the dirt apart, it's just clay, you know, yeah. that real, I wouldn't say it's like really thick clay, but it holds together, and you really got to take the shovel and stab it and break it apart, so, you know, it could stand to be better. Stuff will grow back there, because I've, I've known, I know I've grown stuff back there, but, you know, it. you got to work for it. Right. So, the big projects I'm working on right now, that are kind of like the next big to-dos, is getting the seeds started, getting the garden ready, and I think next up after that is going to be getting the worm bins going.
0: Now, you're also working on a uh, plan for a little uh, food force, correct?
1: Right. Yes, yes, that's um that's kind of medium priority. You know, I want to get the garden really going first. So I don't know if I'm going to start on that this year or maybe next year. But I, on, if you're looking at my yard, on the very left side, maybe a f- 10 feet away from the left fence is the garden. And then right beside that, on the right-hand side, is the chicken run. And then just to the right of that is where it's open for the backyard. But I got a low point uh right beside the chicken run or a few feet away from the chicken run where i think if i'm being told correctly the prior name or the prior owner of the house had an indoor pool and they just filled it all in Hmm. with dirt so if i dug deep enough i could probably have my own indoor swim or in-ground swimming pool but you know it created a low point where the pool was and if you come into my backyard you can see this low point so whenever it rains, all the water goes down, and and something just beeped at me. I don't know if my earplugs are about to die, but, you know, I'm going to, using some of the permaculture principles, I'm going to use that low point to uh, benefit a food forest I'll build right on that side, because since it's right beside the chicken run, you know, whenever it rains, all the, all the nutrients from the chicken run, the poop, and everything else is going to run down into that area. And so, I'm going to put like a dwarf mulberry tree there and then start planting around that, uh, you know, blueberry bushes, maybe some currant bush, fruit bushes, um, and then some various herbs like rosemary and lavender and stuff. But uh, that's going to be kind of the, the game plan. I guess you'd call it phase three. Phase one is the garden, phase two was the chickens,
0: and then phase three will be the food for us very good all right jacob we are coming up on an hour and uh, we're gonna wrap it up uh, do you have any final thoughts or tips or i think that chipdrop.com was a good one for us um that you'd like to oh, share yeah. with everybody
1: um yeah you know the biggest thing is if you want to get into something like this you know, you don't need to have all, everything lined up beforehand. You don't need to, you know, have this super detailed plan. Start off with one thing, one aspect. Have a plan for the garden and staking out the, uh, the garden in the backyard. And then it was, well, what else can I do that's within my budget, within, you know, my constraints for the backyard. Like, like I said at the beginning, I have small kids. They need an area to go out and run and play so we've got the playground and swimming pool what else can i add though that's not going to get in the way of that and you know slowly add on it's just kind of like like i was saying before it's a free form puzzle you can make it however you want uh, but just take some time to think about how it's going to work best for you and in your yard so you know i have the garden and right beside it i have the chicken run It all works together synergistically Uh, and right beside that, between the garden and the chicken run at the front, I have the area for the greenhouse. So I have everything I need right beside each other. And out of the way from where the kids are going to be playing and I'm not running all over the the place trying to take care of the garden on one side and the chickens on the other side, greenhouse on this side. Everything's together, everything's compact, but everything works together as well. You know, it's not fighting each other and um, getting in the way of each other. So, you know, it's one of those things. Take some time, sit down, think about what you want and what you need. And figure out how you can make everything work together best.
0: Plan it out. I think anybody that listens to this podcast is going to notice a theme. Everybody talks about planning it. Figure out what you want and go. Well, Jacob, uh, tell everybody how they can watch you.
1: Oh, jeez, I don't even know how you can watch me. Um, <laughs> I have a YouTube channel. You can, uh, can you still hear me? I can still hear you. I'm yes. trying to find the, uh, trying to find the uh, channel description here. Um, you know, this might be something you'll just have to put in your uh, podcast notes because. I do not know how to. I'm not very tech savvy. You can find me on Twitter though. My Twitter handle is at uh, Jacob3686, and from there I have in my bio the the YouTube channel. So that's probably the easiest way. And I'll I'll send you a link that that if you want you can put the uh, YouTube uh, link into your podcast notes or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll add your Twitter and your your uh, YouTube in. And...
1: Because I am not what you would call a tech-savvy person.
0: <laughs> all right, Jacob. I've enjoyed having you on, man. And as always, I, I love talking to you. Me and him talk pretty much every day on Twitter, you guys. And uh, I love watching what he's doing. Um, he's where I was 10 years ago. So it's always it's always fun seeing that. And uh, I throw advice at him every now and then, whether he wants it or not. But, uh Jacob? Appreciate you coming on and uh, we will talk to you later. Thanks for having me.